You're listening to Sermon Cast Media from Antioch Community Church in Wichita, Kansas. For more of our sermons, resources, or to support this ministry financially, see our website at antiochwichita.org. So, over the last couple of weeks, the fantastic Pastor Randy and Pastor Jimmy uh, have started and kicked off our series on Advent. And if you don't know, if you've never been here before, Advent for us as a church is a huge deal as the church universal, but as for the church here at Antioch, Wichita, um, simply because of the depth of what it brings. We are people that are in desperate need of reminders. We're people that are in desperate need of rhythms in our life to help us walk with the Lord in faithfulness. And I don't know about you, but if I don't have rhythms and I'm a pure muscle memory guy, like I do this, 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 I don't forget a lot of things um, that I, well, some things I forget that I shouldn't, but I'm just very rhythmic. And if I get out of that, say, if I, you know, if I'm, if I'm out of town, if I go overseas, the first few days, like I'm, a, I'm aloof because I need rhythms, like how I shower, I need a rhythm, how I, when I go to bed, I need a rhythm, when I pray, I need a rhythm. And so when all these things happen, we get in, um, sometimes it could become a rut, but honestly, rhythms are good for us. Advent is a gift to us because it is a yearly rhythm celebrated by the church that just does a couple things that we desperately need reminders of. And so uh, the thing will be up there as it always is. Every year we talk about Advent means coming or arrival, and the season has a dual focus of remembering the first coming of Christ and looking forward to a second coming. So there's this misconception that Advent and Christmas are all the same thing. They're all merged together. They're not. They're actually two separate things. One is the preface to the birth of Christ, but the preface, the journey of Advent, critically important. And so, number one, we look to the manger, and uh, I don't know if you know this, but all of time since the fall until completion of the second return of Christ, when everything's done, everybody is in a, a mode of anticipation. Did Adam and Eve fell? To the minute God gave the promise in Genesis 3.15, this proto-evangelium, this coming of this Savior that happens to be Jesus, this woke all throughout the Old Testament, um, that people are longing and waiting. And so when Jesus comes in, um, you know, in a manger, he's born lowly, humble, God himself in, 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 in this baby, as this baby. And we look at that, and part of Advent is, thank you, God, for the birth of Christ. But it's too focused. And then the other part of Advent is moving from that celebrating that, but also Advent is looking for the coming, the second coming of Jesus, the arrival part two, right? And I hear the sequel is even better. Amen? Uh, did he just say the first? No, I'm just saying there's completion. This was the opening. Um, and so we look forward to, uh, y'all, Christians who don't anticipate the coming of Christ are missing it. People who don't long purposely, it doesn't happen naturally, but people who learn how to get into rhythms, of looking at Advent as a lifestyle and the longing and the coming of Jesus, um, we, we miss something because this world is about anticipation. This world is not our home. This isn't it for us. We're literally here to be faithful from now until he comes back to honor him, to glorify him for eternal reward and, and, and being with him. My whole life is, is built around that day. Everything I do is supposed to be built around that day. My prayers are built that day inside of it. My hope for the lost are built with that day 
in it. Advent is a gift because Advent brings us back to the feet of Jesus. And as we see in John chapter 1, 1 through 5, just listen, in the beginning was the Word, the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He who was with God in the beginning, through Him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Our entire world for followers of Jesus is to be built around the person and the works of Christ Jesus. So Advent is a gift because I don't know about you, but I have got to take my schedule and my mind and my time by the throat, smack it in the face a little bit, maybe it's just me, and bring myself back to slow down enough to say, hey, why don't you take a minute to remember the most important things on earth? He came and he is coming, and that coming is a powerful thing that will change everything all of history changes on that day. But for us, it's a constant rhythm that began with this one uh, that came in the manger and obviously all the way back to the to redemption of man. Uh, Jesus is a big deal. Hey Amen. Hold on. Just, I know we're a little mopey and I haven't been up here in a while and I demand response. Jesus is a big deal. Holy moly, it was like we're going, it's like coffin service in here. All right, praise the Lord. We're coming out, amen? We're coming out joyful. That was a little weird. That's not what I meant. <laughs> so we looked at the first coming. We looked at the second coming. And John, Jesus says this in John chapter 14, which is uh, which you should just root your heart in. It says, let your hearts, uh, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me and my Father's house. There are many rooms if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. If I can slow down my mind and my heart and my processes and my agendas, if I would look at the of my heart, what the thing I'm longing for the most is Jesus. When we go to food, or we go to sexuality, when we go to uh, a schedule, when we go to money, what we're trying to do is quick fill things in our hearts and our souls that can only be filled by Him. There is a longing, and we'll see in the scriptures that all the creation is longing and groaning for Him. And whether you know it or not, whether the lost know it or not, if, you, if you're in here for the first time and you don't believe in Jesus, you hate church. I don't know if you know this, but there is a longing and a groaning inside of all creation waiting on him. Amen? And that's a big deal. So <clears throat> Pastor Randy started a couple of weeks ago with this series called Waiting Well. And so I've had to piggyback off of Pastor Randy. Uh, he's given me good direction, solid. Thank you, sir, for making me straight. Uh, my way straight. Boy, this is awkward. Um, but nestled in the midst of Advent um, is, is this thing called waiting. And when you think about waiting, I'm just going to continue on some of the stuff that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, just kind of uh, just in a little bit of a different direction. But listen, I don't know, I, when I wanted Jen to marry me and we had to wait, I had to wait a long time, like three months from the time I asked her to marry me to the time. And I tried to keep moving up the date 
Why? Because I was pretty sure that if I didn't get her done quick, I was going to lose her. Right. And so I'm like, hey, what are you, what are you doing tomorrow? You want to I mean, uh, this is before Jesus. And so uh, but I, I didn't wait very well looking to plant this church. When God called me to plant this church, I wanted to go yesterday and I wanted to be released from where we were. And the Lord kept telling me, wait, 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 wait. And I got to be honest, I whined and I complained and I would go to other people. I'm like, will you just tell me that the Lord tells me it's OK, I can go. Right. And, 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 and he made me wait over and over and over again. What about um, medical test? Anybody in here like a uh, self-professing doctor on WebMD? Is there any other WebMDers in here? I'll call, you, I'll call you doctor from now on. Amen? You call me doctor. Well, guess what? Uh, I, I've, uh, God has given me a lot of deliverance over that, but there have been times for, you know, these, here, here's the thing. If there's something catastrophic and I need to go in for an MRI because Maybe there's a tumor, there's something going on. Just don't tell me till the day I show up, right? Like, I don't want to know. Like, just trick me into, hey, we've got cupcakes. Won't you swing by the office? I'll be like, woo, cupcakes, MRI. Because things in my heart, if I have something I'm waiting on, like for test results or something like that, I am fiendishly crazy. I don't like waiting. Just tell me now. I can deal with whatever it is. I don't like waiting, uh, there were separate times I won't out any of my kids specifically, although my daughter's not here, so maybe I can out her. Um, there have been times in, my, in life where my kids were like going through something, and in my worrywart heart, and I, uh, I would be like, oh, oh, man, I'm pretty sure so-and-so's going to end up in prison. That's not a good thing, right? Like I would go to the extremes in my head. I'm like preaching funerals in my sleep. I'm doing all this stuff. I'm benching jail, and then... If I would have just stopped and waited and trusted the Lord a little bit, almost every time, almost none of them have gone to jail, right, yet. Um, just kidding. Um, the point was, like, God would just step in and do his thing. I didn't like waiting. I wanted answers right now. Uh, the problem with that is um, I named today's sermon The Worth of Wait, and I know that we talk about it's, it's, it's worth the wait, and so if you, you know, Christendom, if you Till, if you wait till marriage, till yada, yada, yada. And if you don't do this, and yada, yada. It's worth the wait. I'm going to take us to another place today. Instead of saying it's worth the wait, there's deep worth in wait. There's something that God does, something that God is doing in the midst of waiting. And whether you know it or not, from the fall of man to the return of Christ, everybody's waiting on something, Right? I mean, that's what it is to be a believer. It's like we're waiting on something. Sometimes they're, they're, they're momentary things where God comes and brings a healing or delivers somebody or breaks the heart of somebody. And other things, we're just waiting for God to come again. But my thing is today, and something that's just God has been pounding in my heart, why Advent is so helpful, is that this, there is the journey of waiting that is so advantageous to your soul that we as followers and believers need to slow down and go, okay, um, there's a beauty in this place. And so um, we, we go through things like, all right, if I just get a new car and then I get a new car and then what happens? Are you content? Or if I just have a new spouse, not a spouse, that's weird. If I just have a new friend or if I just have like, right, like has anybody have buyer's remorse in here? Everyone ever do that? I think about 90% of things I've ever bought, I have buyer's remorse in, right? Uh, just something doesn't fill me and I don't want to wait. And I go ahead and I do things on my own and I have to backfill. And so today we're going to talk of the worth of wait. 
And um, here's some things that we're commonly waiting on just as people, um, painful situations to end, um, relationships that we've dreamed of to come. I know, we, you know young adults in here, I'm longing for that uh, man, I'm longing for that woman to come and to make me complete and to make me whole, and we're created for that. There's nothing wrong uh, with waiting for somebody to make you whole part, we could argue about a little bit. Jesus should make you whole first, right? A lot of us are waiting on relationships. A lot of us are um, looking for those relationships to cure our loneliness. Some of us are longing for God to bring healing, like there's physical ailments and stuff that we're just waiting and waiting and waiting on, asking that God would come and heal us. Um, callings for ministry to open. Uh, spouses to follow Jesus. For those of you who came to the Lord after and your spouse is not, you're waiting and praying. Wayward children to come home. Yo, that's a big topic in this house over the years. Like waiting and waiting and waiting. Jobs, provision, family to be reconciled. Isn't, isn't Christmas such a great time for family issues? Right? Like, there's a reason everybody's like, I love the feeling around Christmas time. It's just that one time of year where I feel warm, and at the same time, like, drunkenness is way up, domestics are way up, right? Suicide is way up. There's just something broken the culture. Um, waiting's hard. Godly waiting is not a fruit of the flesh, Right? There's nothing in you, in your flesh, that's going to go, yes, I will wait upon the Lord. It's not how you're wired. Matter of fact, look at sin. What was sin? Sin was Eve not trusting, waiting, wanting the things of God. She stepped into her own, the core of brokenness, discontentment, not being okay and waiting. But here's the thing. The Lord desires us to wait on him and wait on him well. Look at places like Isaiah 64, 4. It says, from of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen God beside you who acts for those who wait on him. Um, there's something holy about waiting. There's something very holy about waiting his way. Waiting in his way. Would everybody agree with that? There's a big difference, but there is a peace and a contentment that God has for his people to actually see waiting as a holy place, as a holy thing, waiting on him. And as a matter of fact, in the journey, you know, peace be the journey, the journey is more important in the grand scheme of things of what he's doing in us than us just waiting for the destination. There's something in the middle that's holy. So it makes us ask, well, I'm in this waiting, waiting for a spouse, waiting for a big breakthrough, waiting for a cure, waiting for Jesus to come back, whatever that is. My, my encouragement to us today is you need to stop. We need to stop, sit back and look in the midst of the beginning to the end of this journey, whatever it is, and go, this is supposed to be a holy place. Like God has a word for me. God is doing something in me in this space. And Lord, I don't want to I don't want to miss this. I don't want to miss what you have for me in the waiting. Amen? Here's some points, and this is some biblical fruit, I think, that comes with learning how to wait holy. Uh, number one is waiting on, waiting on God reminds us that he is in control. Right? I'm going to be honest. <laughs> the reason why I take things into my own hands 
and try to fix things and not wait is because I have some control issues. Jen, I know, just somebody go pray over my wife. She's going to be in shock for a little bit, okay? But the, I, I have control issues. And, um, and when it comes to, especially when it comes to the Lord, does anybody hear what I'm saying? Like the God is sovereign. The God of heaven is sovereign. He's over all things. He and he alone are the one that makes things move, change, people to repent. No. And so when I jump into things and I grab everything and I get tired of waiting, there is a thing that's coming out of my spirit, not necessarily out of my mouth, that says, I've got this. And in the end, we can call it whatever we want, but if it's beyond him, it's wicked. It's It's wicked. Um, it puts us in our place. We look at Job. I, I don't know why this year I keep coming back to the book of Job. Maybe we need to preach over the book of Job. Randy, you ready? That would be demoralizing and amazing all at the same time. This is, what, this is the word to Job in, from the Lord. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. I love how the Lord talks to him. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk, or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Um, so I like to transfer things onto me. I'm not Job. I've never been. But I just, I just feel this sometimes, like when I have to take control of things. Lord, you don't understand. The church needs me. I've got to do A, B, C, or D for the church. I've got to do A, B, C, or D for, the, for, the, for, for my kids or for work or whatever it is. And sometimes I can just imagine the Lord saying, Rob, uh, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Not in a rebuke saying, hey, Rob, you're an idiot, but a reminder, just like it was to Job, in the midst of the chaos, especially in waiting, I've got this. Nobody else has it. You especially don't have it. I've got Waiting is a holy because it makes me rely and go back to the sovereignty of God. You saying, Lord, I cannot control this and I don't know what to do is a holy place. It's a holy place. Now, we could take that and shift it. And that's usually where, like, that there's, isn't there always like a crossroad in every situation? Like, Here's a situation you want it to be done, one and done, quick, I want out. And it's like the Lord in every situation says, Rob, you can try to run that way and you're going to get tired. And it's not going to change anything. Matter of fact, when you try to do things on your own, you're probably going to make it worse. Anybody testify? Or you can trust me in this wait, in this journey. It humbles us. When Jesus said in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man believes in me and I am him, he will bear much fruit apart from me. He can do, like, listen, we can, is he a liar or is it possible that the fruit of eternal things, we can't do anything outside of him? It's a holy place. Lord, I'm waiting. I, I want to trust you <laughs> and help me when I don't. Um, quote, he doesn't make us wait because he's power hungry. We wait because he is right and his ways and timing are absolutely the best for us. Um, Psalms 33, uh, 16 through 22. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. 
The war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great might it cannot rescue. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Listen, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him because we trust his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Every time I've had to wait on the Lord, he comes through. And by the truth, it's a conversation I need to rehash with myself <laughs> when I go back and I'm in front and I've got the next thing in front of me, the next weight, and I'm quickly taking that little off-ramp towards Meville, right? And I have to have that conversation with myself like, Rob, stop, remember when. By the way, that is probably one of the best sermons you can ever preach to your hearts. Remember whens, right? You need to preach the gospel to yourself every day and you need to be able to preach the remember whens to yourself, right? Remember last time when I tried to take this into my hands, but, I, but the Lord just sought me out and I waited and he came through. That's a holy place and that's a gift. We just have to see it that way. Um, next part is waiting is where kingdom renovation happens. I don't know. How many people still watch Fixer Upper? I'm all about that Magnolia Network. Me and Jerry, is that it? Nobody else in here? Oh, you do. I'm sorry, I didn't see you. So precious. Thank you for sharing. Uh, so I, I watch that show still. I wish I could just get the beginning and the end. I don't need so much of the Chip antics in the middle, right? By the way, Chip and Joe, Joe are Antioch people, or Antioch Waco people. Just a little tidbits why we're so awesome. Um, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of anything on earth. I don't get giggly, but I, I like watching their show. I like to see something go from torn down to re, re, redone. And I, and I love that. I love that story of redemption and man. I love watching that. Um, but this guy, Richard Hendricks, said, second only to suffering, waiting may be the greatest teacher and trainer in godliness, maturity, and genuine spirituality most uh, of us ever encounter. Um, listen, look at Israel for a minute. This is where God does this reconstruction thing. And this is what I love. Israel, what's, what's going on? Um, after they escaped from Egypt, escape. They were delivered. They didn't escape. It's like some dude threw a rope and they went over the wall, right? Sorry, that's bad theology. Um, God delivered them out, right? So here's God. He's heard their cry in the darkness, 400 years, and dead in the slavery to Egypt, God delivers them out, and they're so thankful and worshipful the entire time. No, there is a, my favorite thing on the, on the, on the renovation shows is demo day. Everybody in, like, I am spiritually gifted in demo day. Not really good at anything else. I'm not work, good at working low to the ground. I'm fat and have a bad back. But if you want walls taken out, I am your guy, right? I will run through walls. I will kick through walls take a lot of ibuprofen, but there comes a period in us and it happens in waiting where God starts to deconstruct the things that we've built up. And so we look at Israel, what happens? They go ahead and they make their own, Moses is up on the mountain getting the word from God for his people. What do they do? They don't want to wait. <laughs> they freak out and they take things into their own hands what happens? A calf is there. He's golden. The Lord's kind of angry. What happens? The Lord takes 
in their brokenness on a 40-year journey of waiting because he is deconstructing the wicked that was in their heart. He does the same thing with you and me. There are times in the waiting where we want the promises of God, we want the fulfillment of God, and we're not willing to wait, but the Lord will make us wait because whether you see it or not, he is deconstructing things in your heart that need to be torn down. I used to like, God, make it happen now when we planted the church. And blah, blah, blah. and now I'm like, thank you, God, for not letting that happen because I would have totally screwed it up as that bonehead 15 years ago. Anybody else testify to that? Steve, you were there. You know what kind of bonehead I was. Amen? Just say amen. Uh, you're, no, no problem here. And then there's another thing that happens in the waiting is not only do we get deconstructed, but the Lord builds us up. We can look at examples in the scripture like David right? David, little shepherd boy, doing his thing. Dad just doesn't even bring him in on the king selection committee, right? He gets anointed that you will be the king of Israel. And what happens? It doesn't happen immediately. If you go through this, like there's a delay between God's promise and the fulfillment of what David does because God's not trying to be mean. God doesn't just like want to try out Saul real quick and maybe he'll repent. Like God has a plan, right? But there are things it appears that have to happen in David in the middle of waiting, even upon the things that God has called him to. It's like over 20 years total before he goes from that to taking over the fullness of the kingdom, not just Judah, but Judah and Israel, the whole thing, like 20 years. And in the middle of the 20 years, you look at David's journey and you're like, ah! That doesn't seem like a real anointing pathway, right? Uh, he's literally hiding from the man who's going to try to kill him as the guy is pooping in a cave. What a calling, right? And some people would say, man, <laughs> you think David in the middle of all that ever went, hey, Lord, where's, my, where's the fulfillment of this thing? The people around David, maybe they went, I thought you were supposed to be king, brah. Um, the promise doesn't go away because there's a gap. There's a gap usually because God is doing something in you as we're going towards where we need to be to walk in the promises of God. You are not there yet. That's okay. It's a journey. It's one of the greatest lessons I'm still learning. And the older I get, honestly, the more and more thankful I am that he has made me wait. There's another one similar. Um, waiting on God is where we grow. And so obviously being torn down, there's this, I'm going to do like one of those weird old guy pastor analogies. And so there's the Chinese bamboo tree. Let me tell you about the Chinese bamboo tree. Uh, a gardener plants this seed. This is a real thing. Um, and he will see nothing but a single little shoot uh, out of a bulb for five years. All right? You're imagining this little shoot. I've never seen a Chinese bamboo tree. Uh, it has to be watered and fed daily, <laughs> food and water. Uh, the exterior shoot will grow less than an inch. At the end of five years, it will grow 90 feet tall in a matter of 90 days. And so if you're looking at it, um, right, this is, I, this is, it was either this or my woodpecker in a lightning story. So I went with this, okay? Uh, but literally, this little bamboo shoot is nothing for five years, and within 90 days, it grows. Nine feet tall. And um, 
a big reality check is uh, that's how the Lord moves sometimes in many of us, right? And we get so disenfranchised because we're like, God told me, which by the way, you need to be careful with that anyway. You need to test that. But when God speak, you have to know that just because you are chosen and anointed doesn't give you the right to dictate the time frame. And by the way, here's a bigger thing that I'm learning these days. Your anointing and appointing has way less importance than your actual faithfulness. And that's probably, I would imagine, the point. You could be as anointed and called as you want, but if your heart is not to come under, there's no way the Lord's just going to release that. Amen? <laughs> Uh, and here's the other thing about walking with the Lord. Have you ever just like noticed after walking for a while, you just, <laughs> I've had these conversations where we've gotten into a fight, Jen and I, this was like a long, long time ago, um, got in a fight and then all of a sudden you go, hey, I wasn't such a, as big of a dip, whatever I was back in the day. And I got to change this. I haven't been up here for a while. I'm a little shaky. All right. Um, <laughs> but have you ever noticed that you don't react to things the way you used to react to things? Like, let's talk about pride or like I were enormously nasty, jealous people when we were, when we were first together. I've told you there's stories about Jen. Nobody believes me. She's a mean mama. And I get it. When you get this kind of trophy, you don't want to share that with anybody, right? But jealousy was something where I remember going when we became believers, it didn't just go away. I was like, God, I know this is wicked, but I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to stop being jealous. I don't know how to stop being prideful. And do you know what took it out? It wasn't a one-time thing. It was literally a lifetime of walking for years with the Lord and waiting to where he and he alone by his Holy Spirit was chiseling away me through things. Like there's the growth game that you're looking for. And this is what I just try to share with people. I'm, I'm holding on to this more. Some of you want it right now, change right now, growth right now. It will not happen without time spent. Learning the faithfulness of God. Hearing the voice of God. Having your heart broken to understand the brokenness and the heart of God for his people. And then he'll make you go to a point where you're like, I can't do this anymore. And I feel like the Lord steps in every time and he says, yes. We're there. Amen. Waiting on God <laughs> uh, grows our hope. Romans 8, 23 through 25, I think Pastor Andy shared this a couple weeks ago. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, that's what I'm talking about earlier, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved now, hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes and what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Um, I joke sometimes about, I don't understand people who are like, man, I love this life. Man, I want to just stay here and live this life. And, and then I'll go to heaven. I get the best of both worlds. Like, uh, I used to say some of that. I used to have those feelings like, oh, my kids are little. I mean, none of those things are intrinsically wicked. But I've just told you, after waiting for all these years and going through all the ups and downs that I've gone through, I've 
starting to finally have a window of understanding of what biblical hope is. Does anybody get what I'm saying? In the waiting, waiting for our kids, waiting for your sin battles just to be gone, waiting for humanity to be nice to each other, to do this and that and this, waiting, I've just got to tell you, my head has been beaten in with brokenness. There are some days where I can't take it anymore. I can't take my mind anymore. I can't take the stuff of other people working on that counseling. Praise God. Amen. But here's what it's done. My hope meter has gone way up because there's this realization where, Lord, this is such a wicked place and I have such wickedness in me that, Lord, I just long to be with you. By the way, that's a good place. That's a holy place. It's a holy place. Where the longer we're waiting, hope... Now, you can go two ways with this. You have a decision. There's a crossroads. You can go, uh, I'm going to let hopelessness completely envelop me and be mad at the world and mad at God because A, B, C, or D happening. And in the end, you're missing the sovereignty piece of who God is. His ways are not our ways. And, and I just, this, this little thing, maybe the point isn't why haven't you done anything yet, but far more, I needed to be brought to a place where I know he is the only hope by the great theologian, her E. Upson, Dr. I know I should have placed on a not as a big a part of my point I was trying to make. Everybody get that? Distinguished doctor, hurry up, son. Okay. Someday I'm going to be gone. You guys are going to weep from my silliness. I, just, I missed how much of a donkey he was. Um, maybe, though, I'll go back to that quote. Maybe it's not about, God, why aren't you answering? And it's far more important about, wow, God answers. He's saying, hey, you needed to be brought to a place where I was your only hope. I'm not withholding anything from you to rob you. I am putting it on pause to give you a gift that you and you alone need to know that I am the one. See, that man... That woman you long for, that money, that prosperity, that child, they will never, ever fill the void that only Jesus was made and can fill. And I feel like it seems to be true in my own life that he makes me wait because sometimes I think if God would have just given me everything I prayed for right away, my hope would have been weak. I would have had a genie in a lamp, not a sovereign God of heaven. Right? He's so wise. And my only argument is, God, my heart breaks in this. And his answer is, I know, but I've got something deeper for you in the midst of this weight. Got something better for you in the midst of this weight. Um. Going along the same thing, like waiting on him grows our strength. Um, I'm just going to just Paul, Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 18 through 19. Many of us know the story. He had this thorn in his flesh. He pleaded with the Lord like three times to take it away, whatever that was, K-pop bands or something physical. I don't know what it was. 
But three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more uh, gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Here, here's a little, little nugget for you. Um, your strength doesn't change anything. My strength doesn't move any mountains. My strength and how, look at Rob Dan's. He could just stay in there. Well, you know what? I could, I, I'll, I'll show up every day, 50 years to get my kicked in. I'll do it. I have, I'll do it over and over again. I won't quit. But in the end, that is not what moves the needle forward. I could just be miserable for 50 years, but I showed up. That's not the strength that God calls us on. Strength is made perfect in our weakness than in the waiting when I have to realize and submit to God that I can't fix this. That's when I actually become powerful. Like, what am I going to do about this kid? What am I going to do about this money? What am I, I don't know, but you won't do anything. You can maybe at best come up with temporary fillers that will just leave you as empty as before. Even your good intentions. Albert Barnes, another quote, no donkey name at the end, I promise. It means that the people of God who trust him, him shall become strong in faith, able to contend with their spiritual foes, to gain victory over their sins, and to discharge aright the duties and to meet aright the trials of life, God gives them strength. If they seek him in the way of his appointment, a promise which has been verified in the experience of his people in every age. <laughs> the things that make us really strong seem to only grow in waiting. And it feels so helpless because we're like, God, if I don't do something, if I don't do something, everything's going to fall apart. And I have said those words, and that is a testimony of my lack of faith and the, so the sovereignty of God. And God's like, no, son, listen, if Paul said it, it's true of me. His strength is made perfect in my weakness. It's so backwards. We've got to like undo what we've taught about strength. You can, I, I, I have nothing wrong with manly men and manly women. I don't know what, I don't even know what to say anymore. Strength, you know, all those things. I don't have anything opposed to that as long as it's not toxic. What I'm saying is real strength can come from the weakest little paraplegic person on the face of the earth physically and stuff. And they could be one of the most powerful beings on the face of the earth because their power inside, they wait on him. They wait on him. And last but not least, waiting on God grows our heart for his word and for prayer. What do I do in the middle of waiting? Talk to God. Rely on his word. How horrible. Psalms 130 verse 5 says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I hope. This hit me last night like prayer. Prayer is a daily reminder that the Lord is right where he said he would be right? That's what prayer is. It's a daily reminder that the Lord is exactly who he is. Like I can go and converse with the God of heaven. He hears me, longs for me. He speaks back to me. He gives me words of knowledge. and he, He's just there. He's just who he always is. 
And sometimes I feel like as we, we feel like we're sitting idle. But let me say this. Waiting on God is enormously different than waiting around. You hear me? Listen, let's reprogram together. Waiting on God is extremely, enormously different than waiting around. In our sense, waiting means, in heaven's sense, waiting means in the parameters of trust. And there's work to do in the midst of those places. But it's not moving the bar forward, it's moving our faith upward. Amen? That's good. Good job, bro. I just came up with a few things, and I want to leave you with, with one thing at the end, um, a challenge. What do we do while we're waiting? <laughs> Here's the first one. Like, You need to come to the understanding that waiting's worth it. It's not going to be up there, but just wrote down a couple of texts that came to mind. Psalms 25.3, indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. None who wait for you will be put to shame. This is like a litmus test for our spirit. Here's the question, God, how am I at waiting on you? <laughs> and if you're like me, I'm not going to get straight A's. Uh, I don't think God works that way anyway. It's an honor system, right? Uh, intention system. But it's not all good. And I need to be reminded every single situation that it is worth it to wait on God. Some examples. Waiting on the Lord is worth it. I don't know why I'm harping on this so much. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Just like, just like marriage, like, like that whole it's coming so taboo. It's always been taboo, but now it's like super taboo. You know, like wait on the Lord for marriage. Ah! And uh, I get it outside the church. I mean, it's just a little dip. But on the inside, like when God says it's not only worth it to wait, there's actually worth in the wait. Waiting on a someone to fill. There's nothing wrong with wanting that partner to be yoked, someone to walk with to help cure your loneliness. There is an enormous problem when you put all your eggs in that basket. Because this is going to be a little, little surprise. When you finally do get yoked, you're two sinners living in one trapped-in combined space. And it just sucks sometimes. That's God's plan. That's how he's purifying you. The hardship of marriage, amen? And when I see it over and over again, where especially a lot of our younger ladies or guys, like we're here, we're doing church, and the minute some knucklehead comes through the door that's kind of nice to you, you sell your soul back to mediocrity because you didn't wait on God. And it happens over and over and over. And I'm, I'm not trying to just pick on ladies, but we just have a lot of single moms, but there's single guys in our church that do the same thing, young guys. There are young guys that just show up at church to work on their MRS, right? There's some fine ladies up in here, right? By the way, if that's you, gentlemen, don't find me alone outside. I want to hug you. What about wayward kids? Serious? Is it worth it to have to come to a place of peace and wait on the Lord? Like if you have wayward children, like that's haunting to parents. 
Like that's like, my, I don't want my kid to go to hell. I don't want him out there doing stupid stuff. I don't want my kid to be an addict. All those, those are normal, good reactions, right? The problem is where we have to gauge ourselves is when do I engage in the things that God wants me to do? And when am I taking over? Like God, like I keep preaching to my kid over and over and over again. And I keep, I keep, what's happening is there's a, in, in the understandable confusion and terror, there becomes this wicked part where we're just trying to grab at them for everything we can and hold on to them like we have a parachute and they don't. So they'll land safely. And in the end, there's no parachutes here. Just the Lord. And there has to be this place where we trust the Lord. Uh, <laughs> Jen and I have had family who were part of our church at one time, walked away, hated our guts. And I'm, I'm not saying this lightly, hated our guts, my guts. And it's been like a 10-year journey of heartbreak and pain and heartbreak and pain and heartbreak and pain. And there have been times where I just wanted to try to fix it and reach out and try to, and then I just got more mad. And in the end, we just kind of had to like surrender that whole deal. And then all of a sudden, over the last few months, the Lord is, is reconciling this relationship between my brother-in-law and me and my wife. I didn't do anything. Matter of fact, I probably did things that I, sh I should have not have done it but I had to wait on the Lord. Big future plans, especially for young generations. Woo! I heard the Lord. Praise God. You might have heard the Lord, but did you get the real equation on God's timing? Like maybe you should hold on to the things of God and pray and wait. Now, mind you, people use this to go the other way, correct? People are like, I'm not doing anything until I hear from God. No, no. You love By the way, there's always a project in front of you that the Lord is, project's probably a bad word. There's always a scenario of faithfulness to engage in every situation. Just because you're waiting on one thing doesn't mean you're exempt from all the other things, right? So if you're waiting on a promise for ministry or uh, a nation, or you're waiting on the promise of a spouse, whatever you think that is, there are still a lot of things in the middle of the journey that God is calling you to be faithful about. Praying and waiting. And listen, what happens when you take something that gets you off course off everything else you're doing because you're so fixated on that one thing? It's idolatry. It's idolatry. There's something to be faithful in now. <laughs> um, in every scenario. Um, so last couple things um, to do in the middle of waiting. You also need to be aware of the enemy lurking in our waiting. Right? Like spiritual warfare, there's this great story in Daniel chapter 10. Like there's more going on than what you could see, right? Daniel gets this download of this vision. He asks the Lord, can I have a little clarity? <laughs> and he's fasting and he's praying. And what happens? He has this vision. He prayed, asked God for spiritual understanding. Daniel did not receive any answers for 21 days, right? 21 days. And then what happens? This angelic being appears to him, a message from God. He said, listen, I tried to come, but this talks about this prince of king of Persia, which is not a person. It's a demonic entity that kept this messenger from going to Daniel for 21 days. And then it says like a tag team thing here. Uh, Michael, the archangel jumps in, takes on homie. Wah -wah! And the, the word finally, this is a really bad abridged version. Okay, uh, but this is, uh, never mind, uh, never mind. Um, but Daniel received the word of the Lord. The reason I'm saying this is you need to understand that at all times there are things going on in the spiritual that you can't see. 
And so what we think might be just uh, the, the um, ignoring of God, no one hears me, there also is a spiritual component that there could be something going on in the unseen things that have a touch on this realm. So what do we do? Um, we need to slow things down. This sounds like a totally moronic statement, but you need to slow things down and figure out where you need to wait on him purposely right? Like we need to take stock. Like, am I so engulfed in waiting for this thing to happen? Listen, Psalms 106.13, but they soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel. This is, this is just this word over God who the people forget his works. Matthew 6, um, doing the whole seeking first the kingdom of God. Some of us are like, hey, I'm really wanting what God wants. The deeper question is, next level is, are you really okay with God's time? I feel like there's a surface level of Christianity and preaching where we stay at, like, hey, just listen for God's word, listen for God. But then there comes deeper levels, which I think is where this church is, not in comparing to anybody else, but I think we're hungry for the things of God. So we've heard, hey, listen to the heart of God. What does God want? But there's a next step. The next step is now you need to wait on God and be faithful still. And I think that's where many of us are. There's this old, <laughs> this old thing. You put up the, the, the next slide. Uh, PWR. How many of you have heard PWR before? It's an acronym for power. I don't know. Uh, put up the next one. It's just this. This, is, this sounds just like trivial and elementary. This is something that's been around for a long time. Uh, but it is, <clears throat> uh, we had a leadership retreat a couple weeks ago and uh, maybe it was last weekend. It was the last weekend, and this was, we were supposed to get to this. We were working on all of our drama. Praise God. Uh, but literally, this is my heart's theme and where I feel like God's leading us right now. Pray, wait on God, respond. Like, here's some work for you. In every situation, pray. Okay, God, pray. Wait. And then the moment God speaks, respond. This is, seems so simplistic, but the more I get old, is the more I see like this is literally the calm, common theme of New Testamental faithfulness in Christianity. Yes, there are stuff to do, people to reach. We don't need to wait on God if we should love the lost. <laughs> we don't need to wait on God to, to be a part of we don't need to wait on God to be faithful with our money. We don't need to wait on God to pray for people, right? That's not what I'm talking about. Those are common things we should all be encouraging ourselves to do. There's another section, though, where we need to pray to him and relieve things at his feet and wait for him to answer. Do you realize if this is true and possible in my life and in your life, you know how much weight this helps the people of God lose? Do you know how many burdens come clear if we would simplistically look at something like this and say, okay, we got a big thing to do with the church. What should we do? Hey, let's pray and wait on God. God, he's so faithful to answer. So things might be busted. You don't like how people do this, that, and the other thing. Anyway, wait on God.
told our leadership team the other day, we were talking about leadership structures and, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, uh, just all this, all these very Western worlds. And the, the thing that has impacted me the most in the last 10 years of my journey is how people in the church do things overseas. Like I would, could just, I would love to go down on a mat in China, padded one, because I have a bad back, right? With lumbar support. But I would love to go sit at the feet of believers who the only option they have is to pray and to wait on the Lord and respond. It is contrary to our Western culture, but more importantly, it is literally the life's blood of kingdom culture. Like we think we have to have so many things planned out. We need vision. <laughs> and sometimes that's clear, but we also have so much vision in front of us that we're not walking in faithfully that maybe we just slowed down a little bit, we processed our life. I would enjoy it in house church this week. And in, um, I know there's party time for Christmas, but in your disciple this week, like literally going, 2023, this is my heart's posture. God, will you please help me not just give lip service to this, but to actually be this man. I just want to pray and wait on you. And then my thoughts start going, ah, oh, my little bamboo shoot. Ah, uh, when the Lord falls on it, hey, the Lord will fall on this place when he says, the church isn't big enough because I haven't done enough. Stupid, bad, Rob, bad, bad theology, Right? Waiting is an enormous gift and opportunity for us. Uh, this quote I'll leave you with. Everyone is hungry for the promises and calling of God, but very few are hungry for the journey he takes to get us there, on to get us there. This is next step for us, church. I know with no doubt in my heart that this room is full of people. Maybe not everybody yet. You'll get there. Um, full of people who want the things of God. And it's broken, and you're on a crazy journey. Some of you have been on a longer journey than you should have been, and which is a great test of waiting on the Lord to knock you side to head. That's just my language. Um, here's our vision. We're church planners. We're disciple makers. We're house church people. But at the core of all that first has to be the heart to pray, wait on God, and respond. I have learned so many lessons on trying to do it my own. That's the point. Yes. Why don't you just, why don't you wait for me? Wait for me to send that right man or woman, for me to send those right people, wait for me to do this in the church, wait, wait on me. I mean, think about political upheaval over the last three or four years. Oh, this is an extra nugget I probably need to leave out. Why are people so furious if we really believe that the Lord of heaven has the governments on his shoulders? And yet there's been so much noise out of the church that it's toxic. May we be kingdom waiting people.